0: Everybody and welcome to the fifth episode of the Powder Blue Review, your Los Angeles Chargers podcast here at Blue Wire Pods. I am your host, Michael Peterson. You can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. And you might as well go follow all my work over at SBNation's BoltsFromTheBlue.com. We've got an awesome show for you, a nice, relaxed, Sunday fun day show for you all. I hope you guys are enjoying your weekend. I'm sitting here with You know, a mimosa in my hand, trying to enjoy the day, and just so pumped to do this mailbag episode with you guys. So today, I've taken a bunch of your questions via Twitter. I'm gonna do the best I can, to the best of my ability, answer them for you, and I'm gonna give you my immediate feedback on the Madden 20 beta. Uh, I was lucky enough to receive one of the beta codes. I've been able to play it over the last couple days and it is awesome and i will go ahead and tell you what things i've liked about it what things i believe they still need to work on and overall my opinions on the early version of the game if you guys are anything like me then you make it an annual tradition to grab the latest rendition of madden and this is the first year that i was able to grab one of the madden beta codes and get to experience the game about a month and a half two months before the actual finished product is released and it is something else, guys. The new gameplay, the graphics, it's actually a pretty decent step forward. I know a lot of people think they don't do enough in between games to warrant really you know, paying for the next rendition. I believe they've done more than enough to make this version something that you absolutely need to go grab. One of the biggest things, and I love it so much, I think it makes the game so much more fun and gives you more to kind of focus on instead of just kind of zoning out, and being brain dead as you progress through franchise week after week, and that's the Superstar X-Factor abilities. Now, if you haven't seen any of the pre released footage, gameplay examples, um, the X-Factor Superstar stuff essentially is within your game. So as an example, using Phillip Rivers, he's got an X-Factor ability that when he completes three consecutive passes in a row that travel five yards in the air... He becomes fearless. And now essentially what that means is he becomes he becomes almost immune to pass rush pressure. So he can throw under pressure almost with 100% accuracy. Nothing affects him. Pass rush does not affect him. People can get in his face, and he's awesome. Melvin Gordon has an ability called This One's Free. And with this ability, whenever Melvin Gordon gets a carry... He gets increased chance of success with the very first jukes, stiff arm, or any type of move he wants to use to avoid a tackle. It's almost like 100% uh, effective, so you just know you're going to be able to, to make that first guy miss, and that's absolutely fantastic. There are other X-factor moves, so I believe Patrick Mahomes is the only one with the bazooka ability, and what this does is it increases his throw distance by a full 15 yards. It's absolutely incredible. So I think the guy said during one of the, the pregame videos, that his max throwing is 65 yards in the air. And then with when he's in the zone, he can throw it 80 yards in the air, which is just absolutely insane. And that's a ton of fun. And then the defense has ways of combating it as well. It makes it sort of like a chess game within the or, the game you're already playing. And so if like you're playing the Broncos and Vaughn Miller is able to get a couple tackles for loss or get a sack or two on the quarterback, then he becomes you know almost unstoppable off the edge. I think his ability might be fear-monger which intimidates offensive linemen which gives him a higher success rate of his pass rush moves and say if philip rivers is in the zone and von miller sacks philip rivers then it knocks philip rivers out of the zone and then the same thing vice versa if philip rivers completes a pass on von miller if melvin gordon makes von miller miss a tackle then von miller is out of the zone so it is realistic in the sense that you know players will admit that they get in the zone. They just feel it. They're in a completely different place when they're hot in these games. And so it just adds, again, another thing to at least strive for in these games. And it actually makes you want to play defense again. If you're anything like me, you probably just play the offensive side of the ball. Don't get a lot of defense. Kind of makes the games go faster. But this made me want to play defense. And it was so much fun to take control of Joey Bosa and get to the quarterback over and over and over again. And I I just absolutely love it. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy it as much as I do once the game comes out. But being able to play the beta was absolutely so much fun. It ends tonight at midnight. What is it? Sunday at midnight, unfortunately. So, you know, once I'm done with this pod, I'm definitely going back to play. We're just going to go ahead and get right into questions. I've got about seven or eight questions to touch on. Thank you guys again for bringing in the questions. I really do appreciate it. Uh, made this episode really fun to record, to be able to talk about not only things that I find interesting, but obviously answering the things that you guys want to hear about. So I really appreciate it. So our first question comes from Drew Christensen, and this question has a few layers to it. He says... With the large amount of average linebackers on the team that are highly athletic, is it possible that they will split snaps and not have a true starter? And will any linebacker have a normal position? So, yes, I believe there's going to be true starters. I believe those true starters are Denzel Perryman and Thomas Davis. I do think Perryman is only a mic. I cannot see him moving really to the outside whatsoever. He does such a good job when he's healthy in at that mic position And he's still halfway decent in coverage, so I don't think he's going to be taken out in nickel or dime situations. So I think if there's a guy that's going to stay on the field, um, barring any more injuries, it is Denzel Perryman. And sort of the same thing with Thomas Davis. He is supposed to be the team's run-and-chase linebacker from the will position. And with his longevity and consistency in the league, I don't think he's coming off the field either. So I think if there are going to be players that rotate a bunch it's going to be at the strong side linebacker position. And that's, you know, depending if they play Nuosu there, um, who's also going to be rushing the passer a lot, um, they're obviously going to trade him out for Jatavis Brown. Um, Kaiser White could probably work in there as well. I know he's been taking some snaps at Mike and has done a lot of, or he was a starter last year at Will Linebacker. So we'll just have to see there. And who knows what Drew Tranquil is going to do in this position as well. If he's going to play a little bit of strong side, is he going to play you know, backup Mike? Um, what's sixth-round pick Emeka Egboule is going to do as well? He kind of fits the mold of Unuchenne Nwosu as well. Uh, so there's just a lot of questions there, but I really do like this question. Um, I think the team could go in a variety of different directions. And knowing Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn, especially if you look at last season, who they said were going to be the opening day starters against the Kansas City Chiefs, that no matter what, I think you can expect a change or two, something happening that you maybe didn't expect before uh, wouldn't even have thought about. So I think it's going to be interesting, and you know, time's going to tell on that one. He also asked me to rank cookies, power rank cookies. Um, I don't know a ton of different types of cookies like in general. But if you want my quick power rankings, um, let's go with, there's, I don't know if you guys have heard of a monster cookie. They are oatmeal, chocolate chip, M&M, and they're amazing. My aunt used to sell them. She had her own business selling this type of cookie. So obviously, I grew up with this specific cookie, and it was absolutely fantastic. Besides that, uh, second, German chocolate cookies. Again, this is something that you guys probably aren't going to know about. Another cookie that my aunt made, um, two double chocolate cookies on the outside. And if you've ever had German chocolate cake, there's like this caramel coconut mixture on top. That's the filling between the two cookies. And that is also amazing as well. And then just good old-fashioned chocolate chip coming in the third spot. Um, And then I hate sugar cookies. Hate, hate sugar cookies. I think they're hot garbage. There's nothing good about them. Maybe someone can make them where they have a decent consistency. Um, and still tastes halfway decent. But for the most part, I think most sugar cookies are chalky and gross. Next question comes from Jeremy Belgao. And I hate the fact that I may have just butchered the crap out of it. Um, so sorry, Jeremy. I apologize. But we're just going to go with that. Jeremy asks, what is the starting linebacker rotation by the middle towards the end of the season? So by midseason and how, how do I feel the linebacker is going to play out by the end of it. So, his take right now is Thomas Davis at Will Kaiser White at the Mike. Okay, overtaking Perryman and Nwosu at the Sam. So, I like this lineup. Um, I don't think anyone's going to unseat Thomas Davis from the weak side linebacker position. I think it'd be kind of cool if kaiser ends up being the starter by the end of the season i think that's going to get pushed forward quite a bit if that is the plan i can see it obviously um getting pushed up quite a bit if there is another injury sustained by perryman if not i think that's a good battle to look at in training camp as well just to see you know who can make the most plays i know perryman's five eleven. he's uh, i don't want to call him vertically challenged he's still a heck of an athlete but i mean kaiser is a former safety got tons of length It wasn't so much a ball hawk in college, but just kind of filled the stat sheet everywhere. And I can see him filling into that Mike position very, very well if it does end up that way. And then kind of what we talked about in the last question. I'm not sure if Nuosu is going to be the starting Sam. I think he may start in a way if the team decides to go sub packages early where... You know, they only do... What, what do you want to call it? Like, put them up on the line of scrimmage, looking like more of a 5-2 than a traditional 4-3. But Nuoso can do a lot of things. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start or not start. And I don't think that really changes too much. There may be more than, quote, 11 starters on this defense. I think it just depends on who they're playing and, and what day it is, to be totally honest. So, i actually like that, though. I think... At the end of the day, if Perryman stays healthy, he is still going to be the starter at Mike Linebacker. But um, I really do like the question. So, my lineup uh, Davis, Perryman, and then Nuosu, honestly. If they don't start Nuosu and they want a traditional strong side linebacker, I'll probably give the edge to, to excuse me, Jatavis Brown, um, you know, unless Drew Tranquil comes out of nowhere. But as of right now, uh, I got Brown there. Our third question comes from Timmy Tran. And Timmy asks, Uh, Worst-case scenario with Okung, um, say he's injured to start this season. What would be your ideal offensive line lineup? Now, obviously, this is such a worst-case scenario. Um, If you guys haven't heard the news yet, there's an undisclosed injury to Okung, and the team doesn't actually know if he's going to be available come the start of training camp in late July. And that's just obviously horrible news it's you kind of thought the you know we haven't heard a lot of bad news lately and it's just kind of about time it starts rolling in so we'll definitely keep an eye on that no one knows what's going on um and we'll just play that by ear but should Okung still be injured by the start of the regular season my most ideal lineup and that's you know quote-unquote ideal because nothing's ideal with any of these backup offensive tackles But I would have to think Sam Tevy moves over to left tackle. Dan Feeney is obviously going to stay at left guard, barring anything crazy. Mike Pouncey, obviously, at center. I would like Forrest Lamp to be the starting right guard. And if it's Schofield at right guard, then I'd like to see Forrest Lamp play right tackle, if we're being totally honest. If we're going to talk about getting the best five offensive linemen on the field, then I think that's what we have to do. Schofield at right guard. Forrest Lamp at right tackle, or vice versa. Because obviously Michael Schofield played right tackle for the Broncos when they went to the Super Bowl in that year with Peyton Manning. So he has the experience. I still think he can be a servable, serviceable right tackle. But we'll just have to see on that. Um, it's not ideal. I don't want Trent Scott anywhere on the field. We'll see how fast Pipkins pick things up. Uh, when minicamp, excuse me, training camp rolls around, um, I, I got high hopes for him. They picked him for a reason. And I just hope those reasons uh, come to fruition and start to pop out for fans to see once uh, training camp rolls around next month. What's up blue wire listeners. This is Jack from the real underscore sports podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple, We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. Next question comes from a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Valencia. He asks... Early prediction, and this kind of goes away from the Chargers, but early prediction, how many offensive tackles get drafted in the first round in 2020? So I don't know if any of you guys know about the potential first round picks, uh, offensive tackles here. Coming into 2020, there are guys like Georgia's Andrew Thomas, uh, Tennessee's Trey Smith. There are two tackles from the University of Iowa, hashtag go Hawks, uh, and Tristan Wirfs, their right tackle, and Alaric Jackson, their left tackle. Alaric Jackson is a behemoth. He's 6'7", about 330. And Tristan Wirfs is 6'4", probably about 320, 330 as well. And if you guys haven't seen anything about Tristan Wirfs, go check out, you can Google it probably. Um, his last name is W-I-R-F-S, but he just made waves on social media by hang clinging well over 400 pounds. I think it was three to five times, something like that. And if you guys recall when Brandon Sheriff was coming out of Iowa, who's now the star- one of the starting guards for the Washington Redskins, he made waves by doing kind of the same exact thing. He was just throwing up 400-plus pounds on these hand cleans like it was nothing. And Werfs kind of did the same thing recently. And we all kind of know how Brandon Sheriff turned out. So Werfs is interesting. Uh, Jackson is also interesting given the prototypical, t- prototypical size. Um, and so he's another one to keep an eye on. As far as other left tackles, who I believe can maybe get into the first round, uh, Walker Little from Stanford. He's 6'7", about 305. He was a big-time recruit coming into high school and was the co-offensive rookie of the year in the Pac-12 two years ago. And then one guy that I like, I think he still needs some work, and hopefully he can continue the Notre Dame lineage of offensive linemen having success in that you know kind of pipeline to the NFL, is a guy named Liam Eichenberg, And he took over Mike McGlinchey's spot this past year, was finally a full-time starter, started all 12 games, and had some good outings against the likes of Clemson in their first Uh, playoff game, college football playoff game in the first round, but kind of had a... I flipped on the next game, and he was playing Stanford, and he just did not look that great. He was kind of falling all over the place, and it was kind of a tale of two games with Eichenberg, but at the end of the day... He's good. He has all the tools. He has the tutelage from Notre Dame, the same way uh, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey had. I mean, all those guys were super successful. He kind of played a role in them winning that Joe Moore Award after the 2000. Uh, what was it? 17 college football season. So, um, another guy to keep an eye on. So, what does that bring me? I got Andrew Thomas, Trey Smith, two guys from Iowa, Eichenberg, Walker, Little. I think six is a safe number uh, after counting them up. Yeah, let's stick with those six. Our next question comes from, and his picture was a goat on Twitter. Um, his Twitter handle is the second goat it or it. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce your own Twitter handle, but this one is for the goat guy. Um, he asks Would Donald Penn be a worse option than the Tevi, Pipkin, Scott, um, one of those three playing left tackle at this point? And yes. I actually I went back and forth on this, and Donald Penn is old. But like with guys like Donald Penn, he probably still has a few tricks in the bag. He knows how to handle and do his job at this point, being at uh, the age that he is. You know, He's not the athletic guy that he was. He probably lost a lot of that over the last couple of years. But the Chargers do not use their left tackle a ton in space. I don't think they move their tackles too much. They obviously do like athleticism at all five positions of the offensive line. But being able to, you know, have a stopgap guy like Penn in uh, an emergency situation where Okung does miss some time really wouldn't be the end of the world. He has the experience. He has the pedigree. And I think, yeah, I would definitely choose him over Tevi, who ranked in the bottom three in terms of like pressure uh, pressures allowed bottom three in terms of offensive tackles graded out by PFF. Pipkins is a you know an unknown. Trent Scott is an unknown, other than that time he got bull rushed by Demarcus Sioux against the Rams earlier in the 2018 season. So yes, I think Donald Penn um, would be a good option, not a worse option compared to those three. Moving on, we've got another friend of mine, Nick Faber. Thanks, Nick, for this question. Uh, he asks, "Who's going to step up with Tyro Williams gone?" So my pick. For this is Dylan Cantrell, the team's sixth-round pick from last year. I love Dylan Cantrell. He was actually one of my draft crushes through that period. I loved 2017's draft, actually. I was a big fan of Kaiser White. I was a big fan of Dylan Cantrell. And obviously a big fan of Derwin James. And, you know, it was like an early Christmas for me because we got all three of those guys. So if you guys haven't checked out Dylan Cantrell for a little bit, there is an awesome article that just got put up on BoltsFromTheBlue.com from from my good friend Brad Kelly. He's doing a lot of good work for us recently, and I was so happy that he decided to write up an article about Dylan Cantrell. It's awesome. just shows you why he's primed for a breakout season, and he's going to have some obviously increased potentially playing time with Tyrell gone and how and why he's prepared to take full advantage of that. So, again, Dylan Cantrell is six four, two hundred and twenty five 225 pounds, and he comes from the Cliff Kingsbury Air Raid offense at Texas Tech. Now, that is a big wide receiver. I mean, he's closer to the size of like a move tight end more so than uh, your traditional wide receiver, but he has the experience playing in a extremely vertical passing offense. Gets guys out into space, and they throw the ball 50-60 times a, a game, and it was So much fun to watch him make all kinds of plays and to fully take advantage of his size. And a guy like Cantrell has excellent, excellent ball skills and body control. So if you guys remember how Stevie Johnson used to lay out all the time, make these spectacular catches in the air, I kid you not, that is the type of stuff that I saw Dylan Cantrell make at Texas Tech. There are plays where, multiple plays, where Cantrell ends up, you know, parallel with the field laying out to make these catches. It's absolutely incredible, and it's, it, once they drafted Cantrell, I started having a fever dream of this basketball on turf offense, you know, guys like Mike Williams, another six four, two 220-pound wide receiver. You've got Keenan Allen at 6'2", 210 pounds. Hunter Henry, six five, two hundred fifty plus 250-plus pounds, and then at the time, we had Tyrell Williams, again, another six four wide receiver, and throwing Cantrell, and you've just got this amazing front court excuse me back court of basketball alignment of wide receivers that you can't help but get excited about so Tyrell is unfortunately gone but it leaves its space some playing time some targets and I think Dylan Cantrell can really fit that and if you guys haven't paid attention to uh, math bomb at math bomb is his handle on Twitter he does the RAS the relative athletic score testing for uh, draft prospects every year Um, Anything from 8 to 10 is elite. And I think Dylan Cantrell had one of the best testing scores of any wide receiver prospect over, I think, the last 30-plus years. Again, at 6'4", 225, he ran in the low 4'5s or the high 4'4s. He jumped out the roof. He had great agility testing as well. And it's just another athletic Dynamic athlete type playmaker that the Chargers can utilize hopefully this year with so many targets left from Tyrell Williams. If I had to think about other guys besides Cantrell, I think Jeremy Davis is a guy that's going to have to step up. Maybe Arteva Scott, both those guys have been preseason kind of superstars over the last two seasons. And unfortunately, Atchavis Scott went down with a season ending injury before the regular season. And the wide receiver room was obviously a little too stacked for Jeremy Davis to really see any catches. He actually hasn't caught a pass, I believe since 2015 when he was with the New York giants, but he always leads the team in receiving. I think he did it last year, maybe the year before as well in the preseason. So we know he can do it. Let's just see if we can finally do it in a regular season game. So if not Cantrell, I believe Jeremy Davis is probably next in line uh, for those targets. Our next question is from Gustavo Olguin, and I apologize again if I butchered that name. But he asks, with Gordon's contract getting attention, who do you think out of Jackson Eckler Newsom, do our excuse me, do I think that trio Jackson Eckler Newsom could replace his production? Now I had a lot of fun with this question because you start going back to college and seeing. You know, because all these guys are still fairly new. Um, Eckler's had some recent success at the NFL, so he would be the first guy that you probably think about being able to replace the production of Gordon. But just, let's put it this way. If they pass on signing Gordon... I believe that Justin Jackson would actually be the starter in this offense while Eckler continues to thrive in a complimentary role. I say that just off the top because Eckler got the chance to be the starter, to see a starter's workload this past season with Gordon missing some time. And I think the first game where we finally got to see Austin Eckler get the start was in London against the Tennessee Titans. And if you remember, that game wasn't that great. For Eckler. He he really didn't take advantage of his workload and the team kind of had to get thrown out of trouble with Phillip Rivers. And then all of a sudden we move to the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Eckler gets the start again, and the we the the Chargers fall behind and Eckler just again isn't doing too hot. So the team, you know, gets some momentum going into the half comes out in the second half and Justin Jackson all of a sudden is starting to get quite a few looks. And if you remember, Justin Jackson was kind of the bell cow in that second half and helped lead the team to a last second victory. He had that shifty nifty run. I think it was like 16 to 18 yards touchdown run to help get the game closer to tie it up. Um, he just looked really good and he continued to have some success against the Kansas City Chiefs, um, the following week. Obviously the team won their first game, in five years at Kansas City. Jackson played a big role in that game as well. And I just think the the rhythm of the offense looked much better with Jackson being the starter, getting the bulk of the workload, and Austin Eckler just kind of digging into that workload a little bit. It just seemed like it helped him be a lot more efficient. So that's just my thought on that. I still think Newsom is good depth at the position. Say if he does, you know, pass on Gordon, he becomes running back three Dude was good. He had very limited stats in 2018, but his two big catches, no, it wasn't his two big catches, but he had a catch for a first down, a run for a first down against Kansas City, I believe. He saw a little garbage time against the Arizona Cardinals in that blowout, but he made some big plays in the Kansas City Chiefs game that you just got to look at and feel good about. I mean, he, he played a role in that win. And I think you got to take a harder look at a guy like that. And I think he'll be swell if you were ever to get a, an expanded workload. But let me just throw some things out to you guys. These are the stats, the college stats for Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, and Dietrich Newsom. They were all very, capital V-E-R-Y, very productive in college. Just listen to these. Justin Jackson was one of nine players in Big Ten Conference history to rush for 1,000 yards in all four seasons. He ended his career with 5,440 yards. He had 41 rushing touchdowns and also added 858 receiving yards and just one touchdown catch. Austin Eckler, Division II Western State. He finished his career with 5,889 rushing yards and 55 touchdowns. He also had 1,215 receiving yards and another eight touchdowns. Goodness. Dietrez Newsome left Western Carolina as the all-time leader in yards from scrimmage. He finished his career with 3,728 rushing yards, 37 touchdowns, and 962 receiving yards with seven touchdowns. Add that all up, these guys, these three, totaled 149 touchdowns in college. They were one touchdown shy of averaging 50 touchdowns in their careers. That is absolutely insane. These are the guys that the Chargers have behind Melvin Gordon, who himself was very productive in college. He had over 4,000 rushing yards. He scored a lot of touchdowns in that Wisconsin run game. I the, when you look at it on paper, the Chargers have such a wealth at running back and I think that you know, in worst-case scenario, they think it's too rich to pay Melvin Gordon to give him the extension that he probably I don't know if he deserves but he definitely wants he made that known in his press conference after the mini camp practices earlier this week. They've got guys. They've got guys and I think worst case scenario if Jackson Eckler Newsom had to be the future of this backfield at least for a couple years I think the Chargers will be in great hands. That's all the time we have for this week, guys. Appreciate it so much for stopping in and tuning into this episode of the Powder Blue Review. Please make sure to go on to Twitter and follow me at Tracks, And you can go ahead and follow all my work over at boltsfromtheblue.com. Thanks again, guys, and we will see you next week.